Part three of session 82. Let's finish here talking about the experience of third density prior to the veil. Let's begin. In the last part of the session, we talked about the condition of third density before the veil, and Don was really interested in knowing specific parts of the experience of third density and how that experience differed from, uh, from our current experience in third density. The whole premise of this has been the drawing of the veil in third density, which again is simply a masking of the conscious and the unconscious. And that provided the experience that we now have. Now it's been refined over time according to Ra, but that's the whole point of this conversation is that in earlier experiences of the creator, there was no, there was no veil in third density. And so how was that experience? And um, what was the mechanism Don was also interested in knowing, especially in how we we ascend, how it continues to go into four density. What are the lessons? What is the difference that happens? So I guess what Don wanted to know more than anything, and Ra had a little bit of an issue trying to understand it, but um, what were the differences and why were those differences there? Just, I guess, talked about that. So. The conversation, of course, will continue on this line, and because I am um, determined to finish this session today, let's go into the first question that I have new for this last part. That is question 82, where Don says, Then, since the only possibility at this particular time, as I see it, was a polarization for service to others, I must assume from what you said that even though all were aware of this service to others necessity, they were never they were unable to achieve it. He continues on and says, what was the configuration of the mind of the mind body spirit complexes at, the, at that time? That was actually correct the way it sounded like <laughs> I made a mistake. But now what was the configuration of mind of the mind body spirit complexes at that time? Maybe I did make a mistake. In any case, what was the configuration of the mind of these entities? There's a correction there, which I'll talk about. Don continues and says, were they aware of the necessity for the polarization or unaware of it? And if so, why did they have such a difficult time serving others to the extent necessary for graduation, since this was the only polarity possible? So, okay, before we get into the answer, the question, the way I read it and the way it's formulated could be a little bit confusing, so let me flatten out any curves here. First of all, we have the... It's not an assumption, it's a, it's a fact that there was only... There was no service to self, so there was only what I call service to the one. And I think this is more appropriate than service to others, uh, but service to other also you know, helps to understand within the model of the law of one. But my idea of calling it service to the one is 
a an invitation to see that entities could just see straight into the nature of beingness and as a result of course they were able to see that nobody was separated from the other it was only a perception so obviously it was very different and you you wouldn't serve an other you would serve ultimately the one and you were able to see that whereas here we don't see it because we have a veil condition and that's what creates the illusion of separation to be stronger you see it's not like the illusion of separation didn't exist before but it was more obvious that it was an illusion, that it wasn't real, whereas now we actually believe it's real, that they were separate, and our perceptions aid in that, um, in that view. So, um, Don is saying, yes, uh, I see there was only service to others, and they were aware of, um, of this service to others, but they couldn't achieve it. They couldn't achieve polarization. So the other part of this question is that Don is referring to what Ra said, that there was a very pallid experience in terms of polarization, meaning that they wouldn't advance into fourth density and they would repeat third density over and over again, only because they just didn't have a motivation to continue on to fourth density. So that's what Don is referring to as the only thing that existed was service to others or as i call it service to the one because there was no service to self that's the only thing that existed and yet they had issues doing it so why uh, don wants to know what was the configuration of the mind in this case and the correction is that he said mind body spirit complexes so it's a minor correction but important to keep in line all the terms that we're using here as they refer to a particular experience in this case is the experience without veil no veil no complexity in the mind body spirit veil introduced then complexity introduced and we see that in the archetypical mind going from nine total archetypes to 22. okay that was I, i'm sorry for the summary in this um caliber but that's um uh, that's important and at this point you should be Quite aware of the vocabulary that I'm using here and everything that it explains. If not, then just go back a couple of minutes and re-listen to it. <laughs> but you should. All right. So Don finally says, were they aware of the necessity for the polarization or unaware of it? Did they know that they have to polarize? And if so, why did they have such a difficult time service uh, serving others or serving the one? to the extent necessary for graduation, since this was the only polarity possible. Why do you not care about uh, polarizing yourself, basically? So let's see what Ross says. Ross says, consider, if you will, the tendency of those who are divinely happy, as you call this distortion, to have little urge to alter or better their condition. Such is the result of the mind-body-spirit, which is not complex, see? Big uh, clarification there as well. Rock continues and says, there is the possibility of love of other selves and service to other selves, but there is the overwhelming awareness of the creator in the self. The connection with the creator is that of the umbilical cord. The security is total. Therefore, no love is terribly important. No pain, terribly frightening. No effort, therefore, is made to serve for love or to benefit 
from fear. So, once again, what we see is an intensification of love. That's what's lacking here. Uh, there's um, an absence of passion, you see? So there is no concentration of this, this feeling of unity. So you maintain yourself dispersed. There is no reason to intensify it. Everything is connected. Everything is fine. Everything is one. Why would I care? Um, this, we can draw a couple of rudimentary parallels here. Um, and the first one that I'll use is the Garden of Eden. This is what, where I wanted to get. <laughs> this is where I wanted to get before in the last um, episode. But yeah, the, consider the tendency of those who are divinely happy. They just don't care, you know, to do anything because everything is fine. There is no, there is no terrible catalyst to to move move on. You see, in intensifying this love that naturally flows through you in your specific distortion or manifestation. I'm calling. I'm using distortion here as a the configuration, in essence, that, that we have. What makes us unique? So there's no reason to intensify that. There's no reason to become passionate because ultimately everything is fine. Um, and that's why Ra says here, no love is terribly important. Why? You know, there is, there is no need for me to try to intensify this love. No pain, terribly frightening. Whatever happens, you know, uh, whatever is forgiven is, um, it's for forgotten. No problem, no issues. No effort, therefore, is made to serve for love or to benefit from fear. So, serve for love—that's positive—and benefit from fear—that's negative. And yeah, there is just no incentive for this. This is why they just kept repeating. I guess another uh, disconnected way to perceive this in our current era is video gaming, for example. Um, inherently in video gaming, especially in uh, toxic communities, you can see this, that people are not interested in, they're not affected by what, what they're doing and what they're saying because, meh, ultimately, um, it's all a game, you see. So, and we know it's a game. We don't, we don't think it's real. We could never believe that it's real. So, whatever happens to the other player, or whatever happens to, um, I mean, there is there is a level of morality in terms of how you communicate with each other, but uh, there is just ruthless behavior, you know, in the game because nobody cares, or uh, when there's nothing to uh, to lose physically, then. It's all a game. It's only your imagination. So you shouldn't care. And this is something important that some gamers actually um, embrace and say, "Yeah, you know, this is just a mechanical, um, mechanical process that I go through, and I just want to become better at it." And so they become pro players. They don't get their emotions involved there. In any case, it's just another analogy to this. Um, unnecessary need to invest yourself terribly into uh, 
the other person or in yourself for the the effects that may cause you know in, in other people again I said that this was a little bit rudimentary but it came to mind so maybe it makes sense maybe it doesn't who knows I hope it does so let's move on in question 23 Don says it seems that you might make an analogy in our present illusion of those who are born into extreme wealth and security is this correct huh. Ra says within the strict bounds of the simil you are perceptive uh, speaking of analogies I didn't even know that Don was going to say that <laughs> so that's another analogy here that's good um, yeah somebody who is who is wealthy and yeah there are there are boundaries here because it's not like anybody who is wealthy is completely um, free from fear or intensification of love and I guess you know it kind of makes sense you know within economic status well there's always a risk there that you may feel that you're not enough um, but at least what the people who struggle with money people like us I would assume <laughs> who struggle with money which is not something given it's not just there and it's it's not air that we breathe whenever we want it's just something that comes at a, a cost of effort and surely uh, for them this you know our concerns is not their concerns it's just there and it's just like like I said you know that's a, another simile you don't worry about getting enough air for the day or oxygen that's just happening automatically there's no regulation of it yet <laughs> and there's also um, no no need to hoard it yet <laughs> so um, yeah I guess there is there is a similar in that you're you're not you're not paying attention to it you're more interested in whatever is available right now and what what are what are the other things that that you want you see and definitely prevail there was no need for desire to intensify that love and that's what is needed for four density you want to intensify this love whereas now in the present experience in third density veiled you have a desire for this you see and that comes in different packages all of us have different passions but ultimately and if I can talk about my own passion um, it has it has always been sharing my knowledge you see um, when when I learned when I was a kid and I learned from reading books I wanted to share that with others and I just wanted to tell them uh, what what I saw here and things that they couldn't understand if it was science it was if it was the Bible when I was seven or eight when I was reading it uh, I would want to share that you know and maybe shine some um, bit of knowledge in people and when I got into science that was my dedication as well it was science I wanted to explain to people you know the universe and everything that existed and then it was nutrition and um, metabolism and everything that I learned for body composition is something else that I wanted to share with people and I wrote a book about it and I shared it with people and I talked to people and I try to coach people um, and then lo and behold I get passionate about this and I do the same thing so this is the kind of love that 
we're talking about is what you like doing, you know, and can you can you focus yourself on that and be happy with it as opposed to be concerned with what you're doing because we create these ideas that what we what we love is not something what that we should do. And people say this, you know, oh, it's my passion, but I could never do that. <laughs> See what's happening there? It's like there's another reason why we don't become passionate about the love that we have for life. And that's, uh, that's terribly important in my, my view, is that we, we love what we do. But that goes into another rabbit hole. In any case, we can go on to the next question. Don says in question 24, we have presently an activity between physical incarnations called healing and review of the incarnation. Was anything of this nature occurring prior to the veil between physical incarnations? This is a really good question. Ra says, the inchoate structure of this process was always in place. Uh, inchoate means uh, not fully formed in its um, primitive states of formation. But where there has been no harm, there needs to be no healing. This too may be seen to have been of concern to Logoi, which were aware that without the need to understand, understanding would forever be left undone. We ask your forgiveness for the use of this misnomer, but your language has a paucity of sound vibration complexes for this general concept. Uh, it's still sort of a mystery to me in, in the deepest portions as to why Ra um, always uses this clarification that understanding is not of this density. And my closest uh, approach to this is that we can only see the surface of what's happening. See, because of the veil, we can only see the surface of what's happening. And then understanding would be a full comprehension or view or... Um, Synthesis? Um, yeah, I guess I'm failing with a word here that can describe this process, but just to see to see everything, to un understand, yeah, to uh, to completely view, yeah, like I kind of, yeah, that makes sense, of course. It's almost like saying, can you understand why you have thoughts, specific thoughts, but you can't. You may say you understand the thought that you have and you say, yeah, I understand my thoughts, but you don't understand why they're coming this way. You don't know the background and the history behind it, uh, whatever that, that came from. We don't have access to that knowledge, at least not holistically. We may have glimpses of it, but there is no full understanding. So I think that's what they meant, uh, but that's just my interpretation. I don't know. See, I can't understand it. <laughs> So again, there was a there was a structure of healing, or in this case, I mean, I can I can possibly imagine a couple of things, because what we're talking about here is that in between incarnations, so basically when you die, there is a period of of pre-incarnation in which there is a healing process, then there is a I forgot the whole. I forget the the whole 
structure of it. It's healing, then programming, then incarnation. There's something else I'm missing here. But yeah, there is healing is part of the pre-incarnative process where all the previous experiences are, are being, um, in a way, what's the word I'm looking for? Structure is not right. Maybe put in place, um, aligned perhaps. I think that word actually uh, works best with healing, right? There is an alignment of the experiences for it to have cohesion, you see, because the entity that is going to incarnate needs to have some sort of cohesion in terms of um, what it's going to experience next. And that's why healing comes before programming. That makes sense. You want to make sense of what happened in, in the previous incarnation, put it in place. I guess forgiveness is part of this process, of course, at least in third density, uh, post veil, because yeah, we have to forgive all those things that we think we're, we're part of, um, or we bring into the, into time space after death, we bring as a sort of issue, but it's not. So that needs to be clarified. That's part of healing. So this, this process was, was there, was in place. But Ra says, where there has been no harm, there needs be no healing. Once again, see, we go back to the experience. If in the experience, um, so let's, let's use the example of us. I die, and in the moment of death, I have so many things that I didn't forgive about my life. See, I had to create this, this idea of myself to say that I am a sinner or I made mistakes or I harmed people. In reality, I never harmed people. In truth, I never, uh, I never existed as a separate being. It's just that the experiences were uh, aimed at a, a false view of reality. You see, one, I thought myself to be an entity. Two, I thought other entities to be separate from me. And so my behavior around them and myself was uh, informed by this illusion. So now I need to clear all of that out and program based on what were my mistakes, say. my And again, mistakes here are in the sense of not seeing properly, of not... Um, not reaching the goal, right? That's that's what sin is, is to miss the mark. So you miss the mark in different ways. So now you reprogram yourself based on that. And this is, this is, uh, this doesn't do honor to everything that happens in healing. And it's not that I am aware of all that happens in healing, but the way I see it, it would take me a long time to keep talking and explaining it. But yeah, I need to have that, right? Now, what happened pre-veil is that um, there was no harm, like Ross says, and so there is no need to be healing. Everything was obvious, and so I never harmed you. 
that was just the game you know that's that was just something part of the illusion you see um, for example nobody I would think that nobody in the analogy that I gave in video game nobody goes to bed thinking of all the HP the hit points that they lost in their video game you see and all the harm that was done to the character we know that there is no real character there you see so nothing really happened so in the same way we would go after death and say well nothing really happened I there's nothing to heal and because there is no no strong feeling of interaction between each other then there is very little polarization and that's what maybe kept them repeating and so Ra says that yes this has also this was also of concern by the Logoi which are the players by the way uh, the Logoi is you you know it's just that the logos or the logos in this case the Sun is seeing itself through the particular mind that you are and the mind that I am but in, in essence it's the same logos something to chew on see think about that think about there is only one entity and that is the logos and this logos is seeing itself through you and is also seeing itself through its own archetypical mind the programming of its own archetypical mind but let me not complicate things just chew on that you are the logos that really is what you are but you see yourself through this filter that you call your mind Without the need to understand, understanding would forever be left undone. That's another point. If you have no need to understand, right? There's no effort. There's no incentive to understand the process of why that happened. Then there is no, no need to seek it. And that's it. The rest is just there. Uh, asking of forgiveness for not being able to, to use a proper term. But let's move on. Question 25. Don says, I don't grasp too well the condition of incarnation and time between incarnation prior to the veil in that I do not understand what was the difference other than the manifestation of the third density yellow ray body. Was there any mental difference upon what we call death? Was there any I don't see the necessity for what we call a review of the incarnation if the consciousness was uninterrupted. Could you clear the point or that point for me? Ross says, no portion of the creator audits the course, to use your experiential terms. Each incarnation is intended to be a course in the creator knowing itself. So, um, the question here is i as far as i get it the question here is don asking why there was an interruption in incarnation right why did we die see he says i do not understand what was the difference other than the manifestation of the third density yellow ray body right other than manifesting the yellow ray body what was the the, the difference in experience why did the did you have to die? You know, why was there a cessation of the chemical body? Was there any mental difference upon what we call death? Was there any, 
Oh, he says, he, he corrects himself. I don't see the necessity for what we call a review of the incarnation if the consciousness was uninterrupted, meaning that you didn't go through the process of removing the, um, the veil, right? It was just one continuous experience. And Ra doesn't explain this, or do they? Or actually, there is more. There, there is something that I want to emphasize here in this point, but let's read the rest of what Ra is saying, because I, I obviously didn't read this. <laughs> Ra says, a review, or shall we say, to continue the metaphor, each test, a review or each test is an integral portion of the process of the creator knowing itself. Each incarnation will end with such a test. This is so that the portion of the creator may assimilate the experiences in yellow ray, physical third density, may evaluate the biases gained and may then choose either by means of automatically provided aid or by the self, the conditions of the next incarnation. So I will try, I will try to make the bridge as to why, because I think Yeah, Don doesn't do a follow-up on this. And I think that the question that Don wanted to know is why was there the necessity for death? Right? Why would we need to change bodies, in essence? And I will attempt uh, an explanation to that while also uh, covering what Ra is saying here because there's a lot. There's a lot of good, good stuff in here especially to bring the, the closest view that I can have on what experience really is. We need to get out of the mentality of separation, which has been, of course, nourished through perceptual experience. And when we do that, we get closer to the view of what reality is. So I will attempt to do that too. So first, there is a need for incarnations because, and this again is just my, my way of seeing it based on what Ra says, there is a need for incarnation because each incarnation is a configuration of a mind that comes and experiences reality through the lens of the specific density. In this case, third density. I can't call it the human form because that is third density post-veil, and we're talking about pre-veil. Yet the conditions of third density and mechanics are the same. So please, stay with me because this applies to us as well. So that's what incarnation is. With or without veil, there is a configuration of mind in which the creator, which is consciousness, perceives itself and experiences itself through um, the lens of that mind in the specific density. That, in this case, is third density. So the makeup of the mind runs its course and eventually stops being useful because the experiences through that mental configuration are sort of exhausted. There's no much more to, to learn in the environment. So 
like anything else, it just ceases to exist. And so it is in, in, in need for another configuration. You see? Um, this is the same thing that is happening with our bodies in third density as well, in our minds. There is a moment where there is enough incarnation and death needs to occur for another configuration to happen. But you see, the, the reasons are different now, pre uh, post-veil. But to follow this up, that's what Ra is saying, right? They say, a review or each test is an integral portion of the process of the creator knowing itself. There needs to be a review of all the experiences that have happened so far within this specific mind, this specific entity or incarnation. Um, I like to call it a mind because that way we maintain the view that there is only the creator knowing itself through minds. And these minds are obviously filters that once the creator sees through these filters, it sees itself as separate. And so it can enjoy the, uh, the limitations of infinity, which is really what it is. And it can enjoy it as objects, subject and object. See, that's, that's the first, um, first distortion, is the awareness of experiencing itself through subject and object. So there's, there needs to be a, a review and a test to see, okay, what was learned. Each incarnation will end with such a test. I think that makes sense. This is so that the portion of the creator may assimilate the experiences in physical third density, may evaluate the biases gain. This is the process that is also happening post-veil. Once we die, we uh, assimilate the experiences that were just had in third density, evaluate the biases gained. Okay, what, what did I learn that I, I enjoy? How are those in line with what the purpose of my incarnation is or the purpose of creation is, which is just to have experiences and know itself. Um, and, and may then choose either by means of automatically provided aid, which is what um, I would call the, the logos in this case and the entities that surround, that have been called around the, um, uh, the particular uh, mind, body, spirit in this case or by the self. That's in the case that the self has gained this realization of the heart. That is the opening of the heart, which allows the entity to choose the matter of uh, its programming. So it is automatically assisted when the entity has not become aware of its own um, autonomy, let's call it or by itself if it has been if it has realized its own autonomy that's the mind and so it programs the next conditions of incarnation so this is this is the process that's happening now in the prior or in the first part of Ra's answer there's something really really cool that i enjoy Ross says, no portion of the creator audits the course to use your experiential terms. 
So no portion of the creator is auditing you. Each incarnation is intended to be a course in the creator knowing itself. What I see here is, like I said, this is why I like to create this image or um, visualization that the only thing that exists is consciousness experiencing itself. But because consciousness can only experience itself through the veiling of its own nature, and its nature is infinity, cohesion, unity, love, right? That is its nature. But it needs to veil this to be able to perceive itself as a subject and object. See, that creates the illusion of a subject. There is no particular subject. There is only consciousness. See, remove the subject of the subject object relationship and you have the mystical experience. All is unity, all is well. There is no problem. Now draw the veil, which is not the veil of their density. Sorry to use that term here again, uh, but draw a, um, yeah, let's call it veil. I have no other word. <laughs> Draw a veil between infinity and you see subject and object being created. So that's the only thing that exists. However, the subject experiences itself as an entity, of course. And that entity must be limited, of course. So it does so with a mind. That mind can be configured in infinite ways. Thus, we have a possibility for infinite entities to exist in which the creator or consciousness experiences itself. Not only as subject and object, but now as subject and subject, you see, self and other. So no portion of the creator audits the course of the experience. No portion, no other entity audits your course or what you perceive to be your course. It is you, it's always you. There is no other you, there's always you. Each incarnation is intended to be a course in the creator knowing itself. It is only the creator knowing itself and each incarnation is intended to be um, a direction, a path, a channel in which the creator knows itself. So I think this is important, especially when uh, for people who think that in death, or in life, actually, they are uh, subjects to other entities' will, right? Whatever they want me to do is what I'm doing. That is actually, yeah, you are uh, giving away your free will, if, if you will. <laughs> um, think about it this way. You have free will to experience anything that you want, but the moment you say, oh no, I depend on other people, humans or other ethereal entities or astral entities they are always affecting me and so on and when i die i'm going to be held by this and that uh all of this is lending your free will away now there are negative entities who will be very happy to take away that free will and point it in the direction that benefits them and there are positive entities who will take that free will and direct it to yourself so you see, this is another giveaway for positive and negative entities. If you feel that there is the calling, let's just say, for 
the inner path, right? To know yourself, to direct your free will into knowing more about yourself and ultimately knowing that you are the creator, then that is a positive direction, okay? Um, I like to, as much as possible, not use the vocabulary of entities and angels and demons and all these things because they tend to evoke the image of separate entities affecting you. Instead, I like to use simply uh, influences. You see, there are negative and positive influences. We're all aware of that. It's less abstract and it's much more uh, palatable, at least for me. So if I use this as influences, then you can see that any positive influence is just simply a direction in, um, in the right track um, or a pointing in the right direction, to rephrase that. Whereas a negative uh, direction is simply that which separates you from your own being. You see? So I find this very powerful, the way that Ross said it. No portion of the creator audits the course. No portion of the creator audits the course. You see? Each incarnation is intended to be a course in the creator known itself. But all right, I got my fix out of that, <laughs> my fix of mysticism. Let's move on. Don says in question 26, before the veil, during the review of the incarnation, were the entities at that time aware that what they were trying to do was sufficiently polarized for graduation? Ra says, this is correct. Don asks, then I am assuming this awareness was somehow reduced as they went into the yellow ray third density incarnative state, even though there was no veil. Is this correct? Ra says, this is distinctly incorrect. So, so far, <laughs> because I think Don finally got to the point where he wanted to, and we'll see what happens. I don't remember what Ra says, but Don is saying, okay, you're telling me that during the review of incarnation, entities were aware that they had to polarize sufficiently for graduation. Ra says, yes, that is right. And Don says, oh, and by that, I assume that when they went into the incarnation, even if there was no veil, they kind of lost that uh, memory that they had to polarize. Is that right? And Ra says, that is incorrect. So they, they, would, they were fully aware of the need for polarization. So what happened? Don is going to ask something very long here. But he finally says, okay, this is the central important point. Why then was it so? You have answered this, but it seems to me that if the polarization was the obvious thing that more effort would have been put forward to polarize. Let me see if I can state this. Before the veil, there was an awareness of the need for polarization towards service to others in third density by all entities, whether incarnate in third density, yellow ray bodies, or whether in between incarnations. Okay. What was the... I assume then that the condition of which we earlier spoke, the one of wealth, you might say, was present through the entire spectrum of experience, whether it be between incarnation or during incarnation. And the entities just simply could not, and Don chuckles, <laughs> get up the desire or manifest the desire to create this polarization necessary for graduation. Is this correct? Um, wow, that was a... That's a long way to ask 
the question. So yeah, why why didn't they get the why? Why didn't they feel this desire to polarize? So Ross says, you begin to grasp the situation. Let us continue the metaphor of the schooling, but consider the scholar as being an entity in your younger years of the schooling process. The entity is fed, clothed, and protected regardless of whether or not the schoolwork is accomplished. Therefore, the entity does not do the homework, but rather enjoys playtime, mealtime, and vacation. It is not until there is a reason to wish to excel that most entities will attempt to excel. This brings us closer to what the experience of third density is, when we find a passion to do something. And this passion, again, I, I think this is where it is important because I feel that there is a need for um, there is a need for us to feel that we have to um, we have to become of uh, of great service. See, so I have to develop my passion as whatever it was. No, your purpose as a human being is to become happy in whatever you're doing, or to simply be happy. See, that's what I'm, that's the only thing I'm interested in. Me as Gabriel Lugo, I'm interested in happiness. But happiness is not achieved in objective reality. Objective reality is out there for you to share your happiness. Yes, not to be taken out of it. We have always failed at that. We don't learn. So um, it is not just to um, develop something in you to be it, but to follow it through. Now, if you notice, whatever it is that we we want to achieve, whether that be, you know, to raise a family, to uh, excel at a specific uh, sport or activity or in a job, whatever it is, that love, that passion to be intensified. But if there is no incentive for that, then we won't do it, just like Ra mentioned. An entity in school has no desire to learn anything if there is not something that they need to get out of it. Now, we have uh, terribly <laughs> uh, created this, this necessity, but in some people it does work. You know, they excel at school because they, they find it to be a great incentive, you know, to become uh, something, to get a title or whatever it is. But we push it too far and we say everybody should get a title, otherwise you're a nobody. See, there's always this negative negative implication that if you don't do this, then you are a nobody. Or there's the stigma, you know, for the person who doesn't do certain things or doesn't get a job or doesn't get married or doesn't have kids or whatever. All of these things imposed. So it, nothing is to be imposed, obviously, but to intensify the seeking, that uh, desire to do more for uh, for others based on what you are. And so that's what polarizes the self. I want you to make the connection that polarization is a function of you becoming naturally happy, not dependently happy. In other words, I don't need my partner to be happy. 
I don't need to have food to be happy. I don't need to have good clothing. I don't need to have anything. I'm just happy the way I am. And in the way I am, I can share that. Through that sharing, that's how you polarize. Through that sharing of happiness. Um, I heard Rupert Spears say it one day, and it stuck with me, when he said that when you when you realize yourself as the source of happiness, let me see if I remember well his word. He said, and I, I think it was beautiful because he said service, and that word is so um, so in line with the law of one, obviously. But he said. You don't use the world anymore to be in service of your happiness because that's what we do, right? We seek in the world, in, in the outer world, we seek the world to be in service of our happiness. When you realize who you are, you use your happiness in service to the world. See, it's totally reversed. Who doesn't want to do that? I would ask anybody, if you could use your happiness in service to the world, wouldn't you do it? Of course you do it. And so, I don't know what your passion is, I don't know, and like I said, I have met people whose passion is to raise a family and they devote themselves, they don't, their job doesn't matter, they don't care what they do as long as, you know, they're serving their family. That's a polarized person, you know, uh, could be just helping in, um, one of my friends now, who was never religious, is volunteering now for his church, Christian church, because he felt a connection there. And there was a beauty in serving people there, just opening the door for them and so on. You know, that that's the kind of things that really matter. Not because of the particular service, but because of how you feel doing it. That is satisfaction with life. And it's not coming because oh, I'm going to achieve something by opening the door to Christians because they are devoted and now I'm devoted. Put the mental story away. Just simply feel, feel yourself. How do I feel? I feel awesome. I, yeah, I'll continue to do this because it feels awesome. And some people say, thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing that. You know, so, um, but if there is no incentive, then you, um, you don't follow it. See, the biggest incentive is that. To me, the biggest incentive is to be able to share this happiness. I have it. Why are the people not having it? What's wrong with them? You know, I want to shake them all. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to grab you by the shoulders and ask you why you're not smiling. Why you're not happy. What's up with you? And you'll tell me your story and I'll refute <laughs> everything that you say. Because all you're doing is trying to perpetuate uh, an illusion that you're not. That's my passion, you see? So, yeah, you have to find that. And in the past, there was no need for that because everybody was like, take for example, me. H how would I find any passion to do anything if everybody knew exactly what I was trying to tell them? I didn't have to shake anybody by the shoulders. Everybody would know. I say, hey, you're a God. And they say, yes, okay, I look, that's right. You are right. And then I would just lose my desire to, um, to, uh, <laughs> to try to help anybody, you know? So I'll just be, all right, we're all, we're all happy, let's go to the beach. Um, divinely happy. The Garden of Eden. 
you know, it's um, that's what it was. Nobody cared. It was until we bit that apple of knowledge from the tree of knowledge that we discern good and bad, evil and righteousness internally. And so it happened. Let's go to the next question. Don says in question 29, you stated in a much earlier session that it is necessary to polarize anything more than 50% service to self to be harvestable, fourth density positive. That big red asterisk there is because there is a mistake. Uh, there is no 50% service to self. There needs to be a 95%. And Don is referring, of course, to fourth density positive, so he just mixed up service to self with service to others. This should be service to others. I'll explain this a little bit more. Uh, or refresh, as it were. Was this condition the same at the time before the veil, the same percentage? Actually, let me clarify this before I forget. Uh, you should remember that there is a requirement of 51% or more service to others to be able to graduate to four density, move on to four density, or a 95% service to self or more or rather a five percent or less service to others to graduate to four density negative so don said it wrong here he said 50 percent service to self more than that to be able to four density positive so all right easily explained let's see what ra meant in their answer uh, but the question was, um, was there the same condition before the veil? Do we needed to polarize ourselves 51% service to others? And that's the big mistake here because one, before the veil, there was no service to self. You see, and this is why I like to call it service to the one. And you'll see why, because Ross has something here that is possibly going to uh, reinforce my view here. But yeah, there was no service to self then. And the question should be, was it necessary to polarize yourself 51% more service to others? So let's see what Ross says. Did you have to go 51% before the veil? Service to others. Ross says, this shall be the last full query of this working. The query is not answered easily. For the concept of service to self did not hold sway previous to what we have been calling the veiling process. The necessity for graduation to fourth density is an ability to use, welcome, and enjoy a certain intensity of the white light of the one infinite creator. Ooh, that is so, so powerful. In your own terms, at your space-time nexus, this ability may be measured by your previously stated percentages of service. So, big pause here. Whew. Um, a couple of things. Ross says that the concept of service to self did not hold sway. Ra at some point said that before the veil, service to self did not exist. Potentially did exist because all things are possible, but it was not possible. Rather, it was it was not probable to be used, and indeed, probably wasn't used because it lacked uh, enough uh, 
uh, enough veiling. You see, it lacked enough. It lacked enough. What's the word? Credibility, maybe, to be able to perceive yourself as separate. I mean, the perception was there, but it was not intensified because it was easy to see. Oh, um, you know, it's me. <laughs> it's not something else. Again, I keep saying that it's like trying to surprise you. Buy yourself a present online and send it to yourself. Try to be surprised by it. You see, you won't because you'll remember and you'll see. Yeah, I know. I remember when I bought it. Even if you forget when you get it, you'll be surprised. Oh, it arrived. But I know what it is. See, so you can be surprised. You see it already. You know it. It's part of your knowledge. So that's one thing that I wanted to point out. Service to self did exist potentially, but wasn't used before the veil. The necessity for graduation to fourth density is an ability to use, welcome and enjoy a certain intensity of the white light of the one infinite creator. This is so much clearer at this point than just saying 51% service to others. Because I have seen people confused saying, oh, I need to go and service other people. The more people I serve, the more I will increase my percentage. This is the same idea of the more I go to church, the closer I get to heaven. The more I pray, the closer I get to Jesus. That's a mistake. That's not how it works. Because it's yourself. You're not being honest with yourself and not seeing, well, am I praying because I am really devoted to this and I just enjoy it and I I want to sacrifice my life, not meaning that I'm gonna cut myself, you know, cut my, my veins or something. I'm talking I'm talking about yeah, sacrifice this view of you being whatever whatever it is that you thought you were. Give away all of that in service to this happiness that you are. Because that's what Jesus is supposed to inspire. Not sacrifice in the sense of nailing yourself at a cross or you know dying for whatever. There are some so many misconceptions. So I see that the same thing happens with people who study the law of one and they say, oh, you have to become 51% because you have to become an angel. In order to be in four density, you have to be good and all these things. Oh, I see the same religious jargon being thrown at uh, people. And I don't believe in this. I just don't. So Ross says here, the necessity for graduation to fourth density is an ability to use welcome and enjoy use welcome and enjoy to be able to use you use this energy right this white light of the one infinite creator you may say to me well Gabe you know I need to meet the one infinite creator to do that don't I and I would say to you yes you do but it's not an external you it's you where are you going how far do you have to go to reach the place where you are right now the moment you realize this, the moment you know who you are, then you begin to see that all you need to do is to be yourself. See, that's what everybody has been saying. And in Zen, we emphasize it. We say, just be spontaneous you. Let the judgment come and go. But you be you. You see? Just be who you are. Ra says it. And I forget the exact quote, but they say that um, it's something spontaneous. In fact, I'll look it up because I'm so pumped and excited to read this. I'll look it up. It won't take me long. 
see if I want to look up something. So, um, yes. Russ says, in 4119, they say, the key to balance may be then seen in the unstudied, spontaneous and honest response of entities toward experiences. See? Spontaneous. That's it. It's all you have to be. The repression of emotions depolarizes the entity insofar as it chooses not to use the catalytic action of the space-time present in a spontaneous manner, thus dimming the energy centers. So if you are um, chastising yourself because some guru told you that uh, you have an issue in your yellow chakra or orange or whatever it is and you know you, you continue to beat yourself upon that because oh, you know that's because of my attitude of this way and i shouldn't react with uh with anger or with is with this or whatever it is the case uh, unless you're going to harm other people then yeah that may be a good repression you know because you're going to harm yourself even more by doing something like that so it's better to hold on to that it's better to take that damage of repression of anger that's going to affect somebody but if it's just a, a reaction in how you want to say things and you know you may insult somebody but who cares you know you're saying you're you're saying what you are why do you have to be pure is my point see we get this idea and it's not and sorry that i deviate so much but i i felt that the word spontaneous was necessary here and ra is saying the repression of emotions again this is in uh, session 42 not session 41, session 42, question nine. Uh, Ra said, the repression of emotions depolarizes the entity, depolarizes, we're talking about polarization here. You have to be spontaneous in what you are. That is the only way you can learn. It depolarizes the entity insofar as it then chooses not to use the catalytic action of the space-time present, the moment, the situation. You didn't choose to use it. Catalytic action was to see how you react and then learn about yourself, know yourself. No, you have to be spontaneous. And thus, what happens is that you dim the energy centers. You see? And I would just finish reading this paragraph because I think it's important to mention when Ross says, there is, however, some polarization towards positive if the cause of the repression is consideration for other selves. Which again, you know, if you do have some consideration, but some polarization happens. Some polarization happens if you do um, repress yourself for not hurting somebody else, which again could be knowing that you're going to offend somebody. But if you react spontaneously and the other person feels insulted by what you said. I mean, if you're going to laugh at them and mock at them, mock them, then just, you know, that's probably not positive polarization. You have to see. And if you do, that's fine. You know, just analyze everything. Don't ever consider anything that you do bad. You see, what we call bad is simply something that we know it's not what we are. So why keep doing it? You see, there's so much to talk about here, but... It's just so powerful that they said this. The necessity for graduation, meaning polarization in the positive, uh, is an ability to use, and I'm sure that this goes into the negative as well. It's an ability to use, welcome, and enjoy. Use that light of awareness of who you are. Uh, welcome as it comes to you 
right? That's coming all the time and enjoy that a certain intensity. They call it a certain intensity because four density, of course, is just the beginning of the higher portions of the, the experience of the self. And Ra says, in your own terms, in our space-time nexus, this ability may be measured by the previously stated percentages of service because we have service to self. And so we can call service to self or service to others. See? And that's important. Now, but in general, this is um, the graduation process. Okay, so let's finish up. More of what Ra is saying here. Prior to the veil, to the veiling process, the measurement would be that of an entity walking up a set of your stairs, each of which was imbued with a certain quality of light. The stair upon which an entity stopped would be either third density light or fourth density light. Between the two stairs lies the threshold. To cross that threshold is difficult. There is resistance at the edge, shall we say, of each density, which makes sense, of course. Um, if you are, if you're able to play with this light of the creator enough, then third density stops being, say, um, the level in which you're playing. You see, um, you kind of graduate from certain games. Instead of being in trials and tests and all these things, I'll call it game. How about that? It's easier for us to understand it and not see it so seriously. You see, so it's a game, you know, why would you want to play in, in a level in which you don't, I mean, you, you manage it good enough. You move on to the next one where there is more challenges and you become better. What do you become better at? Unity, you get closer to the creator. So each step in, um, Ross says that prior to the veiling process, the measurement would be that of an entity walking up a step of your stairs. So third density, fourth density, fifth density. And well, they saw that and they said, oh, if I want to get there, I need to uh, polarize myself more, but I just don't know how to. <laughs> so I'll go to the next incarnation to hopefully see, you know, what, what it is for me to learn. We didn't have good teachers and the good teachers was the environment in general. That's why we created this veil illusion. Between the two stairs lies the threshold. To cross that threshold is difficult. There is resistance at the edge, shall we say, of each density. Finally, they say, this will conclude our session today, the faculty of faith and, and or, no, let me re repeat that. The, facu the faculty of faith or will needs to be understood, nourished and developed in order to have an entity which seeks past the boundary of third density. Those entities which do not do their homework be they ever so amiable, shall not cross. It was this situation which faced the Logoi prior to the veiling process being introduced into the experiential continuum of third density. May we ask if there are any brief queries at this working? That concludes today's video and episode, but also session 82. So once again, the faculty of faith or will needs to be understood, nourished and developed for an entity to seek to pass this boundary of third density.
Our view of reality is easily explained, and I want to just summarize this, is easily explained as the inner view. All of us, all of, all of us humans have a specific view. Never mind the difference in how we see this. The differences don't matter here. The overall conclusion of our, this is not the conclusion of the video, by the way, <laughs> but the overall uh, conclusion of our, our view of reality is really what matters here. Not the way we do it, but what we see. And what is it that we see? We either see separation, which again, it's a, it's just one word, but it's how much do we feel separate from other people and our actions, how do they reflect that? It's very important because our actions are determined by, by what we feel, what we are, what we think we are. So we act against each other in a way that may not be so kindly, that's separation or kindly, which is unity. So, but all of these things, it's not about the action. You can't mimic, you can't pretend, you can't fake to be one with the other. And that's what a lot of people try to do religiously. It's not about that. It's about how you feel. And if you can see that, if your yourself, your own self is informing you properly, and if you're listening to your own self. So all of this, to me, it summarizes it all. It is your own ability to see that. And I'll emphasize that the first separation, as Ross says, is of self from self. You see yourself as not worthy. You see yourself as not part of this. You see depression does this. Depression brings you to the point of uh, creating the most illusory aspect of yourself, which is uh, I am alone, I am nobody, everybody is a, a away from me, separate from me, nobody cares about me, nothing around me cares, the universe, nature, people, and my own mind just hates me. That's depression, you see. So if we revert that and say, oh, First of all, I don't exist. This is simply the expression of the universe. And the nature of the universe is harmony. Well, this is it. Then it's, it's not possible for you to see separation. It starts informing you. And like I said, the differences into how we see this don't matter. They, they really don't matter. Each one of us is supposed to see this unity differently. That's the point. So Ra says that the, the faculty of faith and will need be to needs, needs to be understood, nourished and developed in order to have an entity which seeks past the boundary of third density. Yes, that faculty of faith or will is determined in, you know where, unity. To see that, to to want to, to desire that from the universe, the only thing you care is that. Yeah. Those entities which do not do their homework, see, be they ever so amiable, shall not cross. 
you have to do your homework. Your homework is home work, inner work. <laughs> um, can I get away with that? That was a situation that um, prior to the veil was concerned concerning the, the logoi and and why the veil was introduced, which makes sense. It intensifies it. Conclusions. I sort of appreciate the way in which Ra um, described the the way in which the creator sees itself or experiences itself. This is a much simpler teaching. This is a much simpler view, summary of the law of one in terms of who you are, right? Know yourself. What you essentially are is this awareness. You can't go past that, right? This is simply who you are. You are awareness of experience. Creator, knowing itself. You are awareness of experience. Ra recently said in the last session or two sessions ago, the creator does not properly create as much as it experiences itself. The creator is awareness. Creation is happening around this awareness of objective reality. It's surprising the creator all the time. If the creator were to create, it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't have an experience or a full experience, an intense experience. It would just be enjoying its own imagination. It's almost like if you have an imagination and you know everything that is happening, you feel safe, you're not invested, uh, the experiences may be intense, but you're always safe. Nothing like you investing in a, yourself in a character in your own imagination and feeling that character and thinking you may die, that you may uh, dissolve yourself somehow, somewhere, at some point. Then that intensifies the experience of your imagination. If I can only, only incarnate as a character in my own imagination. Well, that, that's exactly what's happening here. Same point. You see, we're coming back from that. We're returning into the recognition that what's happening is just imagination, a dream, an illusion. Not a bad illusion, simply an illusion. Everything is surprising you, everything's happening. And you are the aware principle of this reality. You are not the story you tell yourself. That is the true self. The true self is experiencing. But it does. It creates an illusion so thick and so real that it gets lost in it. And it gets lost thinking it's a particular being, an entity, an individual. And the human is born. And the separate self takes over. But in this path, we're getting rid of the separate self. We're recognizing what it is. What's its, what's its nature? nature is me and what is my own nature simply being unlimited immaculate untarnished infinite 
peaceful, loving, joyful. And I'll simplify it once again. Everything is not in here, it's everywhere. Because everywhere you see is awareness and you are that aware principle. But all right, I come to the end of this session. Finally, part three. This is where I invite you, please, if you are enjoying this podcast, this video, consider subscribing to my Patreon or taking my course on how to live the love one through the direct path. Because that's all I am about, showing you a simplified way of experiencing within yourself, not through conceptual stuff, but through non-conceptual knowing, simply knowing, simply experiencing reality, who you are. Thank you, as always, for being part of this little section of the collective mind interested in the law of one and self-realization. I appreciate you, and with nothing else to say, I'll catch you in session 83.